Welcome to the Model Me podcast. My name's Natasha. Model Me is all about educating and empowering creatives, whether that be that you're an actor, a photographer, or a designer, whether you run a startup company or you do all of the above. Model Me is all about education and empowerment, and the name comes from being a better role model of yourself. What you can expect on this podcast is an honest, authentic conversation that will probably have some strong opinions, a lot of love, and always a good focus on how to build a positive frame of mind. That is who we are at Model Me. Community is at the core of everything that we do. I'm Natasha, I'm an actress, and sometimes I'm a model, and I'm the director and founder of Model Me. I was pursuing modeling for nearly three years and during my time as a model, I saw how the creative industry had a huge lack of encouragement, a huge lack of support, and I wanted to create a solution to solve that problem. This is the Model Me Podcast. Hi everybody, welcome to the next Model Me podcast. We are still in the height of, well, we're not in the height, thank God, but you know, we're still in the midst of a pandemic. So we are recording this podcast at home because if you've never heard me before, my name's Natasha. I am the very proud owner and founder of this incredible company, Model Me, which is all about educating and empowering creatives. And I very much have the belief that when you really believe in something and you really want to do something, you don't let something like the pandemic stop you from doing what you really want to do. So when this all kicked off, um, you know, back in March, I really was thinking, well, there's, I still want to do these, you know, podcasts. I still want to talk to people and zoom quickly became my best friend as much as I'm sure it did for many other business owners. And this lovely lady that we've gotten today, Esther Knight is from a fashion sustainable clothing company called Fanfare, which they've recently just rebranded. So if you haven't checked out the new site, go and do that because talking as someone from just being built a new website ourselves, trust me, it's so nice when someone goes on your site and goes, oh my God, I love it. Um, and just checks out and gives you feedback. So please do that guys, first and foremost. I also have a co-host with me today, which is very exciting because at Model Me, we are not just one person. We are a huge team now. I can't believe I'm telling you that we have 20 ambassadors, people from all over the world, people that speak different languages, people from different cultures. And I have today with me, Evelina Echo, who is an actress and a singer who's also Irish and Greek so yeah like this girl she does everything as well which is amazing and she's running her own podcast too and so she's really savvy in the podcast game and for me at Model Me we are not just one voice we are a collective of voices we are a community and there's just so much more power in being able to interview uh, you know someone like Esther who's got so much to give us so much knowledge and really be able to just get Evelina in and ask these questions so you're going to be hearing from two of us today and obviously of course Esther now I love telling people how I met um, you know our speakers so I worked very tiny um, not much at all with a really great brand last year and then through that I was introduced to an incredible company uh, called A21 and we're going to talk about more A21 later but A21 is something that Esther is also involved with with her company something that she she supports and I'm also good friends with uh, Mikey Carter from A21 and we're going to do something with Model Me with them um, especially on our platform and which is new coming soon keep an eye out on social um, and Esther I think found me through that if I'm not wrong um, I think it was two different ways actually. It was, um, I'd heard about A21, but I'd also seen a sustainable fashion thing that you were involved in as well. Um, but yeah, it was a bit, it was a bit of both. Your name came up twice. So. Oh, wow. It was obviously meant to be. Um, and so she reached out to me and she said, hey, I'd love to do something together. And we've been in talks for, I feel like months to do this because as I think most of us listening to this, lockdown has proven to be the busiest season ever. Um, and I am just like, wow, like I just need a breather, guys. I want a week off before I have to go back to my real job. <laughs> um, but I just want to um, explain and introduce Evelina real quick before I start going into Esther. So Evelina, when I asked you, um, you know, to do research on fanfare, what, it, what was it that first kind of stuck out to you? I like the, actually it's weird because fanfare is spelled F-A-N-F-A-R-E, but also I, re- I read the word fair many times. And this is something that I really want to talk to Esther about later. So I think, yeah, that's what stood out to me more. The fact that they want to be a fair brand and I've never heard that before. So it's something really unique. 
Mm, so nice. Okay, cool. Well, let's go right on in, shall we? Since we've got so many amazing things to cover. Um, I'm going to start straight away with why did you rebrand to Fanfare? What was the brand's mission? Is Did you feel like it was totally appropriate to just, you know, start afresh with a whole new branding? Well, it's still, um, sorry, just bear with me. Whilst I've just started talking, my boiler's decided to go off. So I'm just going to turn it off. It's literally just there. One second. So sorry. <laughs> this is so good. You just can't write this stuff, honestly. It's I know, it's... Right, I'm back. <laughs> so, um, the mission. Um, we're still the same uh, brand. We've still got the same mission. We've still got the same values behind um, everything. But we, yeah, we have transitioned. I did start the company and when we started, it was called Fabric for Freedom um, because it was very much related to <clears throat> the idea that you can have freedom from so many things. Because um, fashion affects it affects poverty-stricken communities, it affects um, unethical behaviour, it affects social justice, justice, environmental issues, it affects human trafficking and slavery, which was spoken about, it also affects racism, that actually we having a brand that was called Fabric for Freedom was we were fighting against all of these things, that we were not only going to create a company, <coughs> excuse me, that um, set an example of how a brand should be run but we were also going to raise awareness for all these issues that are impacted and affected by fashion so that we can bring um, change to processes that are just so broken mm. and so that's that was the reasoning behind Fabric for Freedom to just bring freedom from poverty freedom from human trafficking freedom from social injustices in supply chains and free and freedom across the whole supply chain we're still the same mission, we've still got the same values. We've rebranded it to Fanfare, not because I didn't like Fabric for Freedom anymore, but because it was just more succinct. It was, it's a cooler name, it's one word. We've, we've been trading a year now, it was time to invest in our branding, our new website, like um, what you said before. Thank you so much for the nice comments. Um, and it was just time to really give the brand an upgrade. So mm -hmm. Fabric for Freedom is probably a bit more of a tagline rather than a brand name. So we've moved to, over to Fanfare. Fanfare is a is really represents our positive stance on sustainable fashion because when people mention sustainability eco ethical sustainable fashion it comes with these negative connotations of making everyone feel guilty oh i'm not perfect oh i don't know about this well actually we use our platform to encourage and inspire we it's a very we're going to talk about issues today in the supply chains that is going to make people feel uncomfortable but it's important not to avoid them but come from a positive encouraging stance that's inspiring so that we can inspire and encourage change and fanfare goes with those messages of a positive announcement. We're making a positive announcement for change in the fashion industry. A fanfare means um, the meaning of it is an announcement. So, and that's what we're doing today. And I did toy with, do I call it a fanfare as in F-A-I-R or fair as in F-A-R-E? And so I thought I'm gonna stick with the traditional spelling of fanfare, but the very fact that it's got fair in the name shows it reinforces our fair con connotations of we're fair on people and we're fair on the environment. Mm. Yeah, because it just makes me think of the word welfare, which is obviously spelt in the same manner in terms of the, the fair part. So yeah, that's kind of what got me um, when I first saw it again. I was like, oh, that's really smart. I didn't even know fanfare was a proper word. Like I didn't, I didn't even know it was in the dictionary. So yeah, don't shoot me. <laughs> I'm like what? Um, so I want to, before we kind of go into um, the sustainability and everything to do with the supply chain and, you know, all of these amazing questions that Evelina has been incredible with her research. Um, I really want to ask you about being a woman in business. I think obviously in today's world, you know, we have seen a change. There is a bit of a shift, but really, you know, in my opinion, as also a woman in business, I personally don't think a big enough change. Um, and it really is proven to me when I, you know, obviously we're about to launch a membership platform. So I've been writing down names of people that I've met that I'm inspired by, people that I want to interview, um, you know, just people we've met over the years or perhaps people I've, I just kind of have heard and I want to interview them. 
And the majority of my list when I first wrote it, and even now when I keep adding names, the majority is men. And now, so I'm thinking, I'm not just writing down, you know, CEOs and leaders of big companies. I'm also writing down, you know, people that have been successful from an acting or a filmmaking perspective or uh, people even in sustainability, people in the fashion world. And yes, there's a lot of women in fashion, but still I'm looking at my list and I'm going, but it's so male dominated. It's so heavy on the male front. And it's crazy because I, this weekend I was watching something. I can't remember for the life of me what it was. It will come to me. Um, and I just remember thinking like, this is why it's so important as a woman in business to talk about this stuff and to really highlight the situation and, and to let people know exactly what it is. You know, why is it, for example, why is it harder for some women in business than it is for men? And, you know, what is that gender gap? Like, why does that exist? And obviously we all know why, because women only got a voice like not even that many years ago when you think about it um, in terms of voting and in terms of being able to, you know, be a woman and, and be a woman in business. And I personally think that COVID has completely fit, flipped everything on its head because now you've got stay at home dads. Like I'm literally talking about my business partner right now. So she just had a baby, uh, beautiful baby sky. We absolutely love her. She's divine. And uh, so re there's Rebecca and there's Naz and they're together as a couple. They work together a lot. And Naz is a creative genius. I don't know how else I could sell him. Uh, but he's a creative genius. He does a lot of art directing, photography, editing, motion graphic design. You name it, Naz does it. And he has been working and building on projects with the baby in one hand and editing on the other hand. And I just think that's incredible that this whole ideology of that stay-at-home dad situation is now going to be flipped because of covid um so i just wanted to ask you what do you think how do you feel about being a woman in business have you felt an effect in some way have people treated you differently like how has that um had an effect on you as a woman oh, big question to start with <laughs> um it's i i would be lying if i said that it would it has had absolutely zero impact because all the way through my career it's been uh it's been an issue. There is, it, it, there isn't equality yet. To be a feminist isn't one uh, wanting women to achieve over men or one or the other. It's wanting equality, mm -hmm. and that's what I say. And whenever I name um, powerful, um, say about the inequalities with CEOs or business owners or whatever, I always get people saying back to me, "Oh well, yeah, there's that one woman that does that." And I went, naming the few women does not mean that there's equality. Yes, there's powerful women in powerful spaces doing amazing things. The fact is there is not enough of them. And there's, and it's, I think it stems down from the childhood is that we don't have as many role models. We don't, we're not empowered as much. We're not told that we can, we're not, we don't have the same words spoken over us to be able to achieve the same things. And in business, I think, I think it was, I mean, we might have to check this fact after the podcast, but I'm pretty certain it was 2% of women, no, 2% of businesses invested in last year were owned by a woman, 2%. Mm. And if we think, and that's across, well, I don't know, I don't want to say all industries because I need to, I need to fact check, but um, the, the fact is, is that we don't get the same uh, rep. I stand up and I, I'm a, I'm a young, young girl talking about fashion and, oh, isn't it cute? Isn't it nice? Whereas I'm not seen as a powerful force for change. And the fact is that a lot of women aren't and we're disregarded because of this. The, the fact that we have to have, um, the fact, the fact that um, we have so many initiatives to support women and women-led businesses just proves that we don't get the same support anyway. And that actually, if my husband was head lead of this company, it might have looked a lot, a bit, little, lot differently because I was going to um, investor meetings and panels and networking events. And every single time I was just in a room full of men in suits and I could count on one hand how many women were there. And it's not just that like, we don't get the opportunity today to go, of course we do. But the fact that we're not treated the same, the fact that it's, it's so much more intimidating, the fact that we're not valued or looked upon in the same manner, 
All these things contribute to the way a woman feels about herself, her confidence, and whether she can achieve in her business goals. We're, we're constantly um, up against this kind of, um, what's it called, this kind of resistance of achievement. Um, whereas I, I just don't think that that's the same with men in business, that they've got so much more encouragement and backing and less doubt. And, and that in itself affects how much you're able to achieve, I think. That being said, what I mentioned before, there's amazing women initiative schemes um, and um, I'm, I, I did generalise quite a lot then and, and it's uh, probably very different in different sectors. But as a woman, I've definitely felt that that intimidation purely because of the fact that I am a female. Um, and yeah, so much more needs to change. We're, we're not, we're not, in my opinion, we're nowhere near um, being fully equal because it's mindsets it's from childhood and um, it's all these embedded things in our unconscious that we didn't even know that affects the way that we look at women mm. yeah Evelina what do you think because I know that you're super passionate about this oh I'm literally nodding in my head I'm like writing down notes that I'm going to comment later but it's crazy and I, I actually feel so grateful to be able to you know to do this podcast with two beautiful women that you're both you know your own bosses and it, it's just beautiful and i can guarantee that business is not the only industry that this is happening right now um and like esther said it, it's a bit sad that we're not even halfway and it's 2020 things yeah. need to change and uh, but it's beautiful at least things are moving so at least there is hope yeah yeah that's such a good way to look at it and i, I completely agree i think you know um, many people I've met um, in business have been or contacts you know have been at the part-time job that I have um, at a members club and it's so interesting because sometimes you get you know you, you meet some men that just are open ears ready to listen you know they want to know about your company they want to sit down and talk to you and I'm so grateful for the men in my life like I'm definitely you know I don't really use the word feminist to explain myself because I, I don't like the way that that word has been manipulated in so many ways um, and for me like you say Esther I'm all about equality I'm all about you know fairness fair treatment and not just for women but actually for men as well and you know making sure that um, men don't struggle with their mental health because I'm a woman and I'm saying I do this. Do you know what I mean? And so okay. I just try to have this like um, kind of level-headed approach. But the more I learn about this word feminist, the more I want to talk, uh, the more I want to explain myself as one because duh, of course I'm a feminist. But mm -hmm. yeah, I, I definitely am the woman I am because of not just women, but also because of men. And I have a lot of male uh, mentors. In fact, if I think about, you know, my three mentors, um, in business are actually men and then I would say my personal mentors I'd say I've got two women and one guy um you know and these are also people that are my very good friends people that I've been friends with for years that just take on that role because they're much older than me and they're wiser than me and so it's definitely for me it's just about you know having that conversation enough and really making sure that our generation at least can look at it in a different way the same way when we talk about you know why racism should be abolished and you know we're about to talk about slavery so why slavery should be abolished it's that same attitude like that female you know i even wrote a monologue recently i'll send it to you guys after um and there's a line in it that talks about you know how we were made you know we were made equal adam and eve we weren't made like adam uh, you know, powerful, successful. Like if you literally go back to the Bible, right? If you go back to the Bible and you look at it, God does not say better than women, you know, amazing man, Adam and women, sex symbol, like slave to men. Like you should be like that. That doesn't exist. That doesn't happen. And so for me, I always go back to that. I always go back to that and how it was, you know, set out from the beginning, from the get go. And I think like, that's my constant reminder. Um, we could do a, just a podcast on uh, females and business and women equality. I feel like, wow. <laughs> so what good place to start. So um, as we said, we're going to talk a little bit about A21, which is, I know, one of the reasons that we're connected. And, you know, I have such a big heart for this company. I'm wearing necklaces from Mari Mariana Dibuki. I'm going to say it wrong. Um, and, you know, part I know that part of her proceeds go to A21 as well. As I mentioned, I'm good friends with Mikey, who I just admire. Um, so A21, if you're listening to this and you've no idea what they are, 
go to a21.org, an incredible website. It's got so much information. It's so easy to digest and really just get a knowledge around what's really happening. And their goal is to really um, end modern day slavery because it definitely still exists and it's hidden in ways that a lot of us wouldn't even know. So I want to talk to you um, maybe first about that. Um, Evelina wrote this amazing question and she said, how important do you think it is for fashion brands to speak up against these cruel actions that happen in terms of uh, slavery and really the reason that something like A21 needs to exist? Hmm. Yeah, um, we also, we, we work with a few other uh, human trafficking charities so it actually isn't just focused on a21 just to mention a few others there's international justice mission which is amazing um and uh, we do a lot of events and and um do a lot of campaigns together and we also work with freeset global who's um and freeset global actually not only it, it's like a step-by-step -step process where um international justice mission and a21 go in and rescue victims of human trafficking. Freeset Global deals with the end part is that once people are rescued, they rehabilitate them, they get them back into work, they give them the counseling, the mentorship that they need. So it's kind of, we work with the charities, so it's a, it's a full STEM. So it isn't just, we're just rescuing victims, we're actually getting them back into society and being able to provide for those victims as well. So Freeset Global do amazing things. Um, but the, why big brands should be talking about it? Because slavery affects us all. We don't know that, but there's actually 40 million um, people living in modern day slavery today across the world. There's that, one of um, International Justice Mission's biggest quotes is, there's more slaves today than ever before in history, which is mind blowing. And they're across all industries. They're in agriculture, there's a big sex trafficking industry, and there's um, a lot unfortunately in fashion supply chains so when I first started out I was obviously very interested in sustainable fashion because of the practices that I was witnessing firsthand within fashion companies I was also doing a lot of work for A21 on, on, in, on the side and um, when I lived in Newcastle and I, I found out that then and then when I did some more research into sustainable fashion I actually realized that there was slavery within fashion supply chains so it was a cherry on top moment for me that was like oh I was already thinking about sustainable fashion now my biggest passion to eradicate slavery and sex trafficking now affects fashion and is impacted by fashion then i have to i have to carry on and, and fight for these people that have no voice so if fashion if slavery is in a lot of supply chains then the fa fashion brands have to take responsibility for that it's not good enough just to have a modern day slavery logo on your website that actually has holds up no government um that that doesn't say that there's no slavery in that fashion brand just that logo it says that they've they've um, they're working with the government but it there still could be there's still not the legislation in place to to stop that so i think it starts with the fashion brands just don't produce things that there might be slavery in the supply chains it starts with the fashion brands it doesn't just start with us as customers or or um consumers to be telling brands not to do that it should already happen we should be able to buy something without thinking oh was this made in an underground factory in india where people are slaves we we shouldn't have to have those kind of questions running through our mind as customers so it is the brand's responsibility and the slavery in a lot of fashion supply chains and just by having the modern day slavery on logo on the website actually isn't um it doesn't mean that there isn't slavery in that supply chain and um, there's a lot of loopholes with regards to the use of that logo which is very frustrating yeah i'm gonna hand over to evelina now um i want to comment quickly on what you just said though i'm just trying to find my i just wrote something um one of the things I want to ask you then is, so this for you wasn't necessarily a choice, but actually something that you felt, I have to do this. This is a responsibility. Yeah, I couldn't sit back and watch absolutely nobody do anything about these things. We're, we're all thinking about what's in our sphere of influence, um, which is a big quote that's going on at the moment. What was I? I worked in fashion. I was in buying. Um, 
I thought that, oh, what's fashion going to do to help people? But actually, it's such a fuel to be able to do that because fashion is a $3 trillion a year industry. It employs over 50 million people worldwide. It also is the most labor-intensive industry of them all above agriculture, which is crazy. So if that's done wrong, it has disastrous effects. So a lot of our global poverty and climate change issues are a direct results of the clothes that we wear. So I was looking at all of this and doing more research and thinking, well, actually I could use this as a real positive mechanism because things need to change. Then there was, and then as I started digging deeper, the, the issues just kept layering up and they were becoming more relevant to passions in my life that I wanted to solve, like the slavery. Um, and the environment side came a bit later. It was all very much about the people and protecting the people making our clothes. People shouldn't be dying for fashion. We shouldn't be having um, universities. Everyone thinks that the issues in fashion come uh, are in the developing world. There's so much exploitation in the UK. And when you're working in the industry, you witness all of that. And it was just, yeah, it was a, basically a pile up of issues that just couldn't be ignored any longer. So good. Yeah, I mean, I think something that's very, very impressive and important is, and maybe a lot of people don't understand, is how much research and work you need to do before you actually start in your business. Because, you know, you need to actually consider all the impact or, you know, all the things that comes, you know, that come with starting a new business. And it's actually very impressive to hear you say all this, because I'm not sure if every CEO is actually taking the time you know, uh, to to ha to do a proper research and learn and educate themselves and their employees and everyone, in order to, you know, to to make sure that their brand is is good enough and is protecting you know people and and the environment, and and actually, um, while I'm saying that, uh, what I wanted to say before, I wanted to stand on the on the war of fairness. Um, because you mentioned on your website that you're using clothing as an expression for change, for fairness and for freedom. So when you say fairness, Esther, I want to ask you, what is it that you think is unfair in the fashion industry in general? I know you mentioned a few things earlier, but yeah, I want to learn more about it. I want to hear more about that. Yeah. Um, being fair is, or being sustainable or ethical or eco and all the millions of trillions of words we have for it, it for me means fully, like you being fair on people and the environment. It's not good enough releasing one collection that's organic cotton and then the rest of your, the rest of your business is fueling the, um, polyester and synthetic fibers and it's getting made in these horrific factories actually being fair means being fair to at every stage of the supply chain and at every operation it means being fair it, it means being fair on the environment it means being fair on the people making our clothes it means being fair on um, the suppliers and contractors that we work with it means in every operation we have considered the fairness of each garment so it may, and that goes back to the whole design process it's a we we wear and um, the way that we create garments we create garments so that they can be recycled at end of life so that we can have a circular business model we create collections that are half sustainable so they're half half made from sustainable fabrics and plant-based fabrics and then the other half is recycled so it means that we're not producing new 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 all the time we're actually reducing the wastage caused by other fashion companies and so it's it's about thinking about every aspect really um, and how best you can make that sustainable rather than just focusing on the fabrics and still getting it made in Bangladesh and India, which a lot of brands do. We, we actually, our garments are made here in the UK. We have great relationships with our suppliers and we also consider each of our fabrics and, and locally source where possible, recycle where possible and use plant-based fabrics where possible. It's considering every single aspect. Yeah, that's amazing. I think it's really important that you say you want to be fair, not only to the environment, but to the people, even the ones who work for you, because it's very often that, 
you know, if you if you go back like even decades and you watch movies regarding like fashion industry or magazines or beauty, we always see this very bossy and strict and mean CEO walking around in her heels and like just demanding things and and I feel like it's not like that anymore and people shouldn't just you know see women in business like in high in like really leadership positions uh they, they shouldn't think of her of them like that like you know uh so it's really nice of you to say um that you want to be fair to the people as well um and i have another question for you um basically i have a question for you as a person and you as a brand as well uh, because sustainability has been around for a few years but it's only lately that a lot of people are really interested in learning about it um and sometimes you know there is a lot of information out there in the world like you can just you know type it on google and just learn some things but um is there a list of sustainability principles for you as a person and then you as a brand yeah uh, definitely we um the website is still getting done at the moment but where our sustainability pages are in the process of being created where we'll be able to put we'll publish all of our values and all of our um mission our missions and um our supply chain as well so that'll all be live on the website um the the values of my the way my values as a person and the values of my company are the same because I created the company. So mine is all to do, it's all to do with um, fairness and equality. And so we, um, we, the way that we say our values is our social impact. So what's our social impact of the community? So that is related to people and the environment. So our first value on social impact is that we need to be a business that sets the bar on how a business should be run. So that means our activities, our operations, the work we do with the communities, the fabrics we source, the way that we recycle, the design process, our circular business model, all of that. So that's our first value to make sure that our, our business operations set an example to other fashion brands of how a business should be run. Our second um, value or social impact is that we um, are is related to advocacy. So we back to what I was saying before at the beginning where we we want to teach people about sustainable fashion we don't want to be doom and gloom and say oh this is what you need to do this is so important we actually want to encourage and inspire but as well educate and so our we use our voice and our industry experience to be able to do that and um, because that is the only way that we're going to cause huge change it isn't just about um each individual brand it's about change across the whole industry and if we're going to do that we need advocacy as well and then the third step is the charity and partners that we work with so back to a21 um, and our values there is that actually we're a company that gives back um, we're a company that empowers women we're a company that picks our suppliers based on helping communities in poverty stricken areas and we do that through our charities so MA21, International Justice Mission, um, and Freeset Global as well. And we've actually just started with a, um, a homeless charity that um, works with um, women, vulnerable women, and uh, women who have been homeless and teach them skills to try and get them jobs and get them um, into the industry and, and teach them how to, how to sew and other fashion techniques as well. Um, and we've started a few of our simpler items like our upcycling stuff, we've started being able to use them as a supplier to be able to teach them how to do this, to, to provide and not only provide an income, but also teach skills and pass on our knowledge to help um, help empower other women as well. So it's in three stems. So good, I love it. So I wanna ask you how important is it to educate your employees? So whether you have um, employees or if you're like me and you have ambassadors or maybe collaborators, people that work with the project, you know, I know that we're talking about doing a shoot together. So your models, your photographers, how important is it for you that these people, you know, internal and even external, your team understand about sustainability in all the different realms that you navigate in and also um, how do you teach them? 
Well, my team, um, the people that tend to be interested in working with you are the ones that are, have similar morals and missions and everything. So luckily, I haven't had to really teach people about it. It is more in the suppliers and contractors, and we have a code of conduct for suppliers to follow inside. Um, but with regard, it's... It's just being open and honest, really. It's it's everyone we work with, we set, share our missions. And I actually, it's quite nice to broaden out there and not just focus and work with people that are the same as you and believe the same as you, because then you don't encourage others to question um, question things that are wrong. So we, uh, we don't just work with people that are interested in our mission and sustainability goals. We work with anybody and everybody. And hopefully by our example that we set with um, our good initiatives, it, it stirs something. And, uh, and I find more often than not, people are interested in our activities. And they even if it is something that they've never thought of before, they're, they're inspired and they're encouraged to see someone making a difference in their area. And, and so I'd say employ, um, so I'd say it's a bit of both really, um, but we have our strict code, our strict values, our mission, our vision, um, which is very clear with um, people that we work with. Yeah, I know that's really important. Um, you know what I was thinking uh, is something that I really wanted to ask you before and it's something that people don't really bring it up because maybe they're, you know, they're ashamed to ask this question but i've been even in conversations i had with my own friends when we talk about um ethical fashion and like sustainable brands uh, when you ask them you know why don't you change from a fast fashion brand to an ethical fashion they usually say that uh because a fast fashion brand is more affordable and i think that's why people you know what the excuse more people use but uh, something I wanted to ask you, um, a lot of people have thought that maybe clothes swapping might be a form of sustainability or like, uh, as people say, like sustainability for beginners, because like I said before, many people don't know where to begin from, how, you know, where to start from. Although, you know, you can basically start in your own home, you know, changing some um, habits that you have during the day. And when you move to fashion, do you think that clothes swapping would be a form of sustainability? I mean, I mean, yeah, it, of course. Um, charity shop, clothes swapping, um, all of them are, yeah, because it's it's reducing your consumption. So the area of sustainability um, that is big is is the amount that we consume and the amount that we have and the amount that we buy and that actually we don't need all of this. Um, we don't need all of these things. And the, just on the... I'll, I'll come back to clothes swapping in a second, but just on the point of uh, sustainable brands being more expensive, they, they are more expensive. There's no denying that because we have to consider the people and the fabrics behind our clothes. It takes us a lot more. It's a lot harder to do business. It's a, it takes a lot longer to develop collections. But the way that um, fast fashion companies work is that garments are produced to literally last one week or one wear or one month if that and by constantly consuming more and more and more yes it might be cheap you might get a dress for 30 quid or but it only lasts a month actually if you save up those purchases that you would have bought for fast fashion and buy that one piece from a sustainable brand that is going to last longer it's going to last you years it's going to be an item that you cherish more that you value more and that you I, I mean I don't know about you the one the things in my wardrobe the things that I've saved up for the things that I haven't just bought on a whim or that are made from really good quality and also from good businesses that are doing good things are the ones that I cherish the most and I think that that's how we can step away from fast fashion i know it's hard and I, I know it's difficult but actually if we really look at what we need and buy seasonless clothing that is just gonna be in fashion for a long time then um then we will have we won't need to consume the amount that we do and that's how we can reduce our cost down from from shopping fast fashion but also good designers are and good buyers are 
what makes them good at their job is to be able to predict what's coming into fashion in three, four, five, six years time. So we make clothes that last that long, but also we design clothes that are going to be fashionable for a heck of a lot longer than chasing these trends that last five minutes. So by buying investment pieces rather than fast fashion um, is really, really important. But yeah, clothes swapping um, is great because it means that you can introduce different it, it kind of gets rid of that element of, oh, I'm bored of that item or, um, and oh, I don't know what to do. It kind of encourages you to style up more. Um, but overall, it's reducing consumption, which is what we needed need to do when it comes to fast fashion brands. And it's prolonging the life of clothes because so much goes into each garment that we just shouldn't be looking at clothing as being disposable. So clothes swapping is a great way to extend a product's life. Yeah, thank you for replying, actually, because, uh, you know, uh, when, when it comes to the price of an, of an item, um, it's really important because I think sometimes, you know, uh, potential buyers are just, you know, going on the website and they only see a price, but they don't really know, you know, why this item is priced higher or lower. And it's really good for you know for you to explain this because it's really important for people to know why there is difference because sometimes they only just stand on the on the actual price they don't think any further um so it's really important um and speaking of prices and the differences between fast fashion and uh, sustainable brands what is the biggest obstacle you're facing as a um, sustainable brand or when you decided to go to become eco-friendly what was the, the biggest obstacle you faced um i would say that it just takes us so long to develop collections because um with from working in high street i've worked for high street and designer brands you're doing new collections all the time quick 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 but it just doesn't work that it doesn't work like that in sustainable fashion because you can't produce something um the way the way it is in uh, industry is that we design sketches and then we find fabric according to those sketches that would um, that would suit the garment. Sustain in when you're developing sustainable collections, you have to do it the opposite way, where you have to find the fabrics and then design pieces around it because there isn't the innovation and infrastructure there to have a massive pool of fabrics available to you. You're very it's very hard this sustainability is still we're still on the cusp of it we we haven't got an abundance of resources to be able to develop a sustainable brand so so we have to be um picky with our fabrics and therefore it means that there's less of them to choose from but they um i can't remember i was going to say something now it's completely dropped out of my head um, but yeah so it just the design process is longer and we also have to think about compositions of fabrics so a lot of um a lot of brands um you'll see are like um have multiple compositions on the label so uh, i've seen brands 60 percent organic cotton 40 percent polyester oh well it's not sustainable then is it it doesn't it doesn't matter if it's organic cotton you've mixed it with 40 percent polyester but actually by having um you can't you can't separate those fabrics so you can't recycle them at end of life so it's about when we use organic cottons and um, there is a hundred percent organic cotton which means that it can be recycled and we can draw out the fibers and things like that so you have to consider all of these things in the design process which just means that well we're creating slow fashion we're, we're creating investment pieces that last a long time that have a lot more care and effort behind it and um, but it it does mean that the design process is more challenging yeah and you know speaking of designers and suppliers and everything like we all know that the fashion industry is probably one of the most competitive industries out there right now um so do you think like in 2020 and being sustainable, obviously to be sustainable, you need to work with a lot of different, you know, people in order to achieve sustainability. So do you think collaboration would be possible right now, even if, even if the industry is so competitive? I mean, yes, definitely. The thing is, the more, the more of you that are there, shouting the same message the more of an impact you're going to make and that's what i've actually found with the eth ethical sphere 
um, the community of ethical brands and sustainable brands is actually we want to work with one another. We've got the same message. We've got the same vision. We've got the same mission. So why not um, propel all of us at the same time to achieve the same goal? And so we work with other brands um, quite a lot. We're always giving, we're always helping one another out. We're always speaking to one another um, to try and help um, to help each other because it's hard. It's really hard to um, run a business these days, especially this economic climate that we're going into now and all the situations that actually it, to not work together would just just get rid of so many brilliant opportunities um, and also just on that note is that we've um, with our new collection we brought on a new creative director and um, Anna is actually from a different sustainable brand but we thought we just we've known each other for a bit over a year now but actually we just thought well why are we working separately to try and achieve the same mission when together we could use both of our skills both of our resources to just make a bigger impact and um, because two heads are better than one and so she's um she's come on board to do our new collections and things and and yeah we're, we're seeing how it goes working together but but yeah collaboration is key definitely oh i love that because you know that's all about empowerment like you know even between women but in general like it's all about working together and yeah it's it's, it's amazing i love that um i don't know if natasha wants to say something because she probably likes what she just said because i know yeah, she's no, I'm loving it and yeah this is great no i'm loving it i think it's so important i mean you've literally just kind of like um said exactly what you know we want to do at model me for me it's all about like there's enough room for all of us whether it be me as a company or me as an individual actress like there's enough room for all of us we can all grow we can all win together we can all prosper and i really like uh just reminding people of that constantly and i think you know when it comes to like you said Evelina, women for example but also when it comes to fashion and when it comes to you know, the creative industry and the film and TV industry and, you know, being being involved with actors and stuff. I just love that when you see people that just want to see you win and just want to support you. And I think we have to really push that more than ever because there is enough room for all of us. And I think for anyone to think otherwise is just a bit crazy. Um, so yeah, I really love that. For me at Model Me, it's always been, it's the reason we do so many different topics of conversation. It's because I don't want to box people in because we all do so many different things. And again, as well, we should all be able to help each other. Um, so yeah, I love that. So good. <laughs> Great. But uh, now I just want to ask a question that I, I believe a lot of people are wondering. Um, does ecological and ethic, like, is it the same word? I know they represent obviously similar principles, but a lot of people are not sure there's a bit of misconception around these two words, whether they are actually mean the same thing. Who knows? <laughs> Ecological and ethical. The thing is, there's no principles, there's no guidelines from any kind of government form to put in any kind of rules or regulations in regards to using the words ethics, ethical, ecological, sustainable, eco, and that's what's causing so much confusion among um, consumers, which is completely fair. I, I mean, from my personal perspective, I'll come on to what I just mentioned before then. Ecological and ethical, I mean, I would say, I, I would say, more ecological is more about the environment and ethical is more about the people and it being ethically made but there's just no defining rule about it unless unless i'm wrong and please please correct me and send the link in if there is but um but there's no defining way and and this is really difficult from us from sustainable brands is that we're trying to define our message do we do we call ourselves conscious um, do we call ourselves slow fashion, sustainable, eco um, or ethical? And we don't know because there's so much greenwashing going on out there where people are using these phrases and they are not fulfilling the principles of what those phrases are meant to represent. And, and it, there is a lot of 
confusion out there and I haven't helped with it but all I would say is that you just need to do your research if people are claiming that then you need to have a look and to see what that actually means um there's there's eco-friendly dyes there's eco um, which means that it's more environmentally friendly and um, there's phrases like that that we use so uh, our sustainable jumpsuit is dyed from using eco dyes and that means it's fair on the environment less chemicals um, and the the people making the textiles have been certified and protected so there's there there isn't a defining meaning behind either of them it's how each individual brand determines it themselves which is a massive problem because it doesn't help us as sustainable brands it doesn't help consumers determine and make the right decisions about where they should shop and it's just caused a heck of a lot of greenwashing unfortunately as well um, so I would just say to, uh, to customers out there who are interested in sustainable fashion is just to do your research. Do what I, I said before, if a company is claiming to have sustainable fabrics, have a look on the label. Where is it made? Um, is it made locally? Is it made um, or is it made in China, India and Bangladesh where there's huge slavery problems? If they're claiming to, um, to have sustainable fabrics, but it's um, it's it's just mixed with polyester or or it's got um yeah we, you just have unfortunately it's down to the customers to do and um, to do their own research yeah this is so good i think it's so insightful for me like i'm interested in sustainability but i really don't know anything um and so for me i feel very jammy that i get to do stuff like this because i learned so much and i'm like oh wow um and i've been taking notes and you know in two places which i always find hilarious because i have notes everywhere I don't know about you guys <laughs> i'm like something on my laptop something in my notebook it's so weird um <laughs> but i really want to ask you then um as a business do you ever have things that don't work out i mean obviously you know, if I'm going to talk from a personal point of view every day, uh, from my perspective, um, but you know, what is it that for maybe from a fashion brand point of view that you try and do that maybe doesn't work out and how do you manage those disappointments? Do you set yourself quite big goals or do you try and work on a smaller goal perspective so you don't get so disappointed if it doesn't work out? I mean, I used to do that work on a small basis so that I don't get disappointed, but then actually you don't, go for what you really should be going for and yeah the the thing that I didn't expect when I first started the business is no one really pre-warned me for the massive highs and the massive lows and we are going to have to go through disappointment and just to try and avoid that would stop um stop um you looking for like amazing things that you could achieve the there's so many things that don't work out it's crazy i mean just covid for example um as a small business running through this pandemic has been absolutely horrific we um 2020 was meant to be like our biggest year of growth we're meant to do an investment round we were meant to um we'd um, in the first three months, January, February, March, we had a phenomenal response to the brand. We were absolutely flying. And then COVID hit and everything stopped. All of our pop-up shops, our events, um, and our whole calendar had to go out of the window along with our strategy and our um, marketing plans for that year. So I think it's important to, you still need to uh, aim big and plan big but also be flexible and adaptable because things do change, but don't get disheartened and keep reminding yourself of why you started it in the first place. That's amazing. <laughs> Good. Sorry, as Natasha did, I'm like, I'm going to go in. No, but it's amazing. I mean, I would, you know, that opens could also open a huge different conversation about mental health in the business industry you know when you have the burden of carrying like this business on your own oh i bet i mean you know you you girls know best but i bet it's it's hard and it's very challenging so you, you know not only you're achieving something but you have to to fight you know to fight your own demons and your own yeah. you know fears and everything while you're in the business industry yeah, yeah. i think it's um it's really 
one of those things that, I mean, but you, Evelina, also from an actor and from a singing point of view, I think the same way that I've said it about businesses, if you can cope through this season, you can cope through any season. And I think the same can be said for actors and singers. That is the same thing that can be said for business owners. So I 100% agree with you. I think it's one of those things that we just really have to... Um, you know, just keep banding together. Like what you said, Esther, I think that's so inspirational. And I think so many people that, you know, aren't in business and aren't in sustainability can listen to this and be inspired because there are so many uh, problems and issues and things going on in the world that we just really have to, um, you know, keep our eyes focused on, you know, the good stuff and really keep fighting the good fight and, you know, really just trying to keep prospering in whatever season it is, even through all of the challenges. And I can certainly agree with you. Model Me was definitely supposed to be, uh, this was supposed to be our year, guys. This was, well, it is. The crazy thing is, it is still our year, but, you know, I had very different goals and visions. Like at the beginning of the year, I was like, you know, we're going to open up our own building. We're, we're going to pay people by, you know, I'm going to have employees by summertime. I'll maybe I'll even pay myself. I'll leave my job by April. Um, and none of that's happened, but it's okay because actually it's so weird for me. If someone had said to me, you know, like if you could change it, you know, if you could have that choice where you didn't actually, uh, you know, this didn't happen in terms of business, right? Let's say, obviously everything else I'm not going to comment on, but from a business point of view, would you have had this happen or not? And for me, I'm like, I would have chosen for it to happen for me personally as a brand, because now we're building a membership platform. Now we're a real digital company. Now we've got 12 new ambassadors. So we have 20 ambassadors all together. Now I have a clearer vision, a clearer focus. I have systems in place. I can delegate my team better than I ever have. We do team meetings once a week. Do you know what I mean? All of these things didn't exist before for me. And I was forced into having to do them because of COVID and because I had to start building a really digital business. I had to make sure that all my ambassadors, no matter where they are in the world, felt like they had a family, a community that they belong. And then also when you can do that with your team, it naturally starts to spread out with our community. And that's really what we've been focused on. So for me personally, I wouldn't have changed any of this year in terms of business because I actually have been given an opportunity to help more people with what we're doing now. And I know that it's hard because I know some people listening to this are probably going to be like, yeah, but I love the I love the physical events for Model Me. I want to come to a fitness workout, and I, I get it. I get it, guys. I miss them as well. Like I trust me. I I miss carrying those heavy boxes of fuel and packing those fifty goodie bags. I miss that. But instead of thinking about what I miss from the past, I'm just trying to like really seize the future and really seize this moment and really conquer in this moment rather than, you know, having my mind over here when it really should be here and looking at tomorrow. So yeah, I just totally agree with you, Esther, on this. Um, I want to ask you, what can we do to help you? How can we support you? Uh, yeah, well, follow us on Instagram, first thing. Um, it's Fanfare Label. And um, so, yeah, on social channels um, as well. And have a look at our website, fanfarelabel.com. But also just uh, share our messages. If there's people you know that will love our brand, um, love what we stand for, share it with people, spread the words. The more brand awareness that we can generate is the more income we can generate, the more we can impact the communities and the suppliers and the charities that we work with, the more that we can grow our business operations, the more we can give back to, to people. So, so yeah, support us, promote us and share our um, and check out the website. Awesome. So good. Can I actually ask right, right now? Yeah, because do you ever do uh, pop-up events or things like that where people can actually, you know, see the, the clothes in person and, you know, obviously buy them? Yeah, yeah, we do. We did a lot of them last year and um, we are in store, I think September, and um, we're looking at going to be in Covent Garden. So if people sign up to our newsletter, we'll announce when we have our next shops. We, we potentially might have a shop in July, but um, I'm still sorting that out a bit. That will be at Chelsea Kings Road if it goes ahead. But if, yeah, if people sign up to our newsletter, there'll be um, announcements of the next shops that we'll be doing. Awesome. I like that a lot. That's cool. Um, so now we're going to finish with a real quick fire round of like, you know, 
you can answer this in, in 10 seconds, 20 seconds, real quick fire round. Um, okay. And my first question I'm going to start with is, what is the most empowering thing that someone's ever said to you? Oh, um, probably you're responsible for your own development. So if you want to achieve something and you want to go for it, then no one's going to hold your hand and make you do that. You just need to do it yourself. And actually it is a bit harsh, but it should spur people on to actually get the job done. If you think big, you'll be big. If you think strong, you'll be strong. If you think positive, you'll act positive um, and just go after what, what you want if you want to see change. Bit wordy. Love it. <laughs> I'm gonna let Evelina ask you the next one. Yeah, so speaking of like, you know, unprecedented times, what is it that keeps you inspired, even though you know you might go through hard times or things like COVID, etc.? Yeah. I think just what I said before, going back to why I started things, things have been tough. There, there is massive lows, especially during this time has been horrendous, not knowing whether we'll be able to even make it through the following month. But actually, if you go back to the reasons behind what you're doing and the passion and just re reignite that flame of this is why I started this. This is what I want to achieve and this is what I'm going to do. And just speaking that um, that kind of confidence back over yourself is really what keeps me um, inspired. But just remembering my value and my worth and just not letting that get affected and protect and just protecting um, my, um, my heart really. Nice, that's so good. I wanna know what does community mean to you? Obviously that's one of our keywords at Model Me. So what does that really mean to you? That means support, a support network. It means just be not being alone, not going through things solo. Um, actually, the, the strength in numbers and just being vulnerable and actually being able to find a community where you don't have to be okay all the time and that people can support you through that and you can be a support to others going through that. Awesome. Yeah, that's amazing. And actually, you know, thinking that this is a podcast and people will be able to listen to that whenever they want. Is there anything really important that you would like the world to know, like something that you haven't said till now or something that you'd really like, you know, for people to, to, to hear you say, you know, to hear Esther say that. <laughs> um, this is probably not as well thought through as it probably should have been. Um, but um, just be kind and actually just live for people and not for yourself because that's where you'll find happiness because people are the things that matter on this earth. Your relationships are the things that matter in this earth. And so actually just don't even underestimate how far a smile or a hello or a just kindness can go for them. Don't underestimate how far that can go and just just try and be nice and be kind, which sounds amazing. I definitely said <laughs> Be kind people. <laughs> yeah, we need it. We need all of that. Um, is that what you would say to your younger self as well? Um, no, to my younger self, I'd probably say just to stop worrying and just get on with things because 98% of the things that we think about don't even happen anyway. And actually just being consumed, so consumed with our thoughts and our emotions and our feelings and living off the way that we feel, we're actually just just having a more confident, strong mindset and just that belief in yourself. I think that that's what I would say to myself. Love that. This is great. Thank you so much for <laughs> this. No. This is so educational, inspirational. I think you have, um, yeah, for me, I'm really coming away feeling like I've got a whole new boatload of uh, information logged in my mind about sustainability mm -hmm. and you've definitely triggered some questions that I, you know, have for other brands and other people that perhaps, you know, are claiming one thing and doesn't, I don't really know if they are doing it, you know? Yeah. Um, and Evelina, amazing. I love having you as co-host. This was so much fun for me. Like, oh my God, I don't think I can explain how much I enjoyed having um, a co-host. Oh, I feel so fancy. Um, <laughs> so good. So how can we find you? Can you just run through your socials again for us so that we are 100% clear on them? Yeah, um, it's Fanfare, F-A-N-A-R-E label. 
um, and it's fanfarelabel.com. Amazing. So I good. to spell it then. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I just want to say thank you so much for this opportunity. I just absolutely love connecting with people and just speaking about this kind of thing. And if anyone has got any further questions about sustainability, just DM me um, and on Instagram. I'm always happy to help and I always want to meet people um, that want to connect. So yeah, great. Awesome. So good. So good. Thanks so much um, to you, Esther. And thank you so much, Evelina, my fantastic, glamorous co-host. I'm very, very honoured. And I will see you all soon. Everybody's listening to the podcast. We will be launching our membership platform on 13th of July. So keep an eye out on our social channels for that, because that is the next new phase for us as a company. And it is the the only and uh, main phase right now, we're focusing 100% online. I have no intention of doing anything physical anytime soon because we just don't know what the world is going to look like. And as a company, we want to be as responsible as we can. And I don't believe right now doing physical events would be responsible at all. So we're going to be focusing online for the future. Um, and we're going to be doing a lot of things with our membership platform. So more information on Instagram uh, and the other social platforms, because we're actually starting to branch out, out of just one platform now, which is also good. So thank you, everybody. Speak to you soon. Bye.